Well, welcome to episode eight of the Musicians Insider. Today, I'm very pleased to welcome Chris Moore, who's a drummer who does a lot of really cool things, a lot of session stuff. But I want, Chris, I'd love you to tell my audience what it is you've been up to lately and how you got to where you are and what you do. Please, please introduce yourself to my friends. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I'm Chris Moore and uh, I am located in upstate New York, and uh, but my studio is in Albany, which is considered the capital region. But anyway, yeah, I've been playing drums ever since I was a kid, and um, but I I have played with some you know some great great musicians through the years, and mostly what I've been doing through COVID is of course recording drum tracks for artists as mostly a freelancer. And it's been a really fun and, you know, uh, rewarding experience. But yeah, it's been a, you know, it's challenging for everybody because during COVID, we were all trying to figure out how to make money, how to survive, how to keep playing and all that. So um, anyway, this is, I uh, kind of always recorded as a freelance artist for people and then have joined some bands along the way and, and all that. So I was kind of like in a, perfect setup to be able to do this kind of work so it was it was very uh it's been a really exciting time yeah well so i met you through tracy who's a manager friend of ours it's kind of mutual yes. she's awesome yes. and um i remember yep. uh you were working with your brother and george and another person on project infidelica I believe. So it was Angelo Moore, who's not actually my brother, but he oh. <laughs> feels like my brother. Okay, I didn't catch that. So Angelo and Chris are not brothers. Okay. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. So Angelo is the is a singer for the band Fishbone. Yeah. And um, one of my favorite, you know, singers of all time, and just an incredible frontman and all that. Um, so yeah, Project Infidelica was was Angelo and then George Lynch. Uh, and, you know, we kind of did this thing together and, and uh, we put an album out and played some shows and it was really, really fun. And then the following year we started, uh, we did a band called uh, Ultraphonics and that was basically George and then uh, the bass player and me and then, and then uh, Corey Glover from Living Color. And that was more of a serious, you know, kind of thing. And, and so um, I, I write a lot of lyrics and, you know, vocal arrangements and things like that. So I was able to collaborate in Project Infidelica with Angelo doing the vocal stuff and then with Corey uh, in, um, in Ultraphonics, I, I wrote lyrics for a few of the songs and then like the song Walk, Run, Crawl um, that we did a video for, I, I wrote the lyrics for that and then uh, and the vocal arrangement, but Corey and I were able to, he's a really good collaborator and Corey is one of my, you know, heroes in not just music, but as a person and um, he's just an amazing human. And so to be able to sit there with this, you know, having you know write these lyrics and then have Corey sing them with that iconic voice was just you know like it's unreal but anyway and so uh ultraphonics did a record and we never got to play live because um george was you know already doing other projects but then at the same time i got offered to do the rock of ages uh tour and so i took off and did that 
and this was a couple years ago now. So I went off and did that. And, um, but I did see Corey last year, right as COVID was starting. Um, I ran into him at a show and we sort of had a big hug and we were like, man, we did a great record. You know, it was like, yeah, we did. And we worked really hard on that record. I mean, we worked on it for a year and a half. So, um, and I played really well. I was really happy with my drumming on that record. And um, it was produced by Bob Daspit, who is his biggest thing that he's known for is being Sammy Hagar's producer, but Bob produced and mixed it. And Bob is one of my best friends in the world. And so to have Bob working on it and Corey and all, it's like, oh man. And then George being such a monster player. So um, the, so, you know, I did the Rock of Ages tour. And then when I saw Corey last year, we were like, man, I wish we could do something else. And so we actually, uh, you know, I'll say it, but we, we did a song. We actually have a song and a, and a, like a lyric video that I made the lyric video, but uh, we got together. And, and um, when I moved to New York last year, we, um, Corey lives about an hour, hour and a half South of me. And so uh, Corey came up to the studio. Uh, we collaborated again, you know, I wrote lyrics for this song and uh, um, Corey sang it in my studio. I recorded him which again is like unreal. And then, um, so we're hoping that that will come out sometime this year. We talked to the label about it and um, our, our, you know, kind of best case scenario would be that we do, uh, that the label releases that and some other kind of jam slash writing stuff that we did that wasn't really formal. Um, but, and then we'll get a chance to really do sort of Ultraphonics 2 which we would go through that process again. Um, lastly on that is that um, because George and the bass player are in LA and then Corey and I are in New York, it will be pretty easy for us to collaborate that way because again, Corey and I work really well together. And because I do so much remote recording uh, and writing that George and I could you know, share tracks back and forth. And so I could do drum tracks and then we send them off to Bob and Bob can mix them. So uh, Corey and I can collaborate on all of the, the lyrics and vocal arrangements here. But like Corey as a writer is so strong that like a lot of times he'll come in with a song and go, oh, I got a great idea for this. And he just knocks it out of the park, you know? And then there's other stuff where he's like, eh, you know, and, and I'll be like, hey, I got an idea for this. And he's so like open and cool that he's just like, oh, this is great. Yeah. Okay. And then we just, you know, we're off to the races. So, and so yeah. for you recording during the pandemic was really much different than before, because, you know, like you're already doing tracks for people that same way. And now it's just, yeah. become now you're the guy that already knew how to do it. So everyone can come to you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. No, it's, um, you know, and I've really, really worked, uh, during this time as well. I've really worked on mixing my own drums so that, you know, when I send drum tracks to somebody, if they were a, a project or a band or whatever has, you know, a, a record that they're working on and they have somebody who's going to mix it. When I send the stuff to their engineer, the, the tracks are in pretty good shape. So they won't have to do as much work to get them into, you know, drum shape or whatever. But um, yeah, so I've really worked on my kind of mixing chops here as well. Well, so one of the reasons I started the podcast, it's called The Musician's Insider. Um, okay. Just to kind of give other artists some inside techniques and tips, but not like your secret sauce, but maybe just advice for perhaps other drummers in your case that 
maybe newer to the industry because what you just said about working with your friends I'm starting, yeah. I'm getting older. I'm starting to feel like, oh my God, I love it when I find someone who I've known for years and we used to hang out and now they're yeah. pro like, and, and you get to work with them. Like I'd love to work with Jay oh. Rustin someday. I'll probably get him to mix something if I can get his time, but we used to be in a band together. Like, and that guy's killing Oh, wow. Him, right. Jay and, is a, is a phenomenal, he's a legend, man. The guy's unbelievable. Yeah. Well, you see, I love that you know him and I've been in LA for a while and I know some people, but like we were all in Ottawa once. Right. And we were all just like beginner bands and like i was gonna show jay this and get him on here where i have his his card what it was his name is crossed on you know i just found this while i was going through some thermal client stuff but we're great like <laughs> this is our wow band. so but we're, wow uh, and i what's funny is i just have it all here um, i have like a press kit we made and it's like in mint condition that we sent out oh, nice. never never went out but Nice. I'm going to Toronto today and I'm bringing a bunch of this stuff with me and we're doing like a pre-shoot wardrobe thing. We're shooting a video on Friday for the first oh, single nice. for I'm Not Sorry. We're shooting a new video and we're re-releasing the record August 6th and nobody knows that yet, but this is the first time I'm mentioning it because it's all happening, but that's not why you're on here. But Chris that's played awesome on, though, man. Congrats. Chris played on Uphill Battle Part 2. It's called Vibe and Me, Uphill Battle Part 2 in brackets. And yes. Uphill Battle Part 1, which is coming out on a future album. Oh, nice. Awesome, man. When or where. But uh, I really <laughs> I love what you did on that song. And uh, my live drummer, Jack, has been feverishly working on that live version of <laughs> what you did. And I think it's awesome. Thank you. However, Thank you. this isn't about me or my project. This is about uh, the musicians. In, I can't say it. Musicians Insider and doing things for other artists. So I'd love to hear any more artist related positivity stuff like i don't want to talk about nfts we've already done a few of those but stuff like no. weird stuff that might be helpful anything you can talk about it's not to be drum related or anything okay yeah no us. no no yeah no <laughs> i i think um i will give you i mean i'm wide open to talk about anything and there's no no worries about like secret sauce stuff or anything i'm happy to talk about anything um Give them your secret sauce. What do you got for yeah. us? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think I think honestly that um, for me as a drummer, I work really, really, really hard at being the best drummer that I can be. And so, um, you know, so being how? here, <laughs> yeah. And and the thing is, like, there are drummers that I really like what they do, and I listen to their stuff, and I I'm inspired by what they are doing, and so. I don't try to emulate what they're doing. I really try to do my own version of it. So uh, there are some drummers that I'm a huge fan of that are, you know, um, like, so Nate Smith and uh, Eric Moore and then um, Brian Evans and Shane Gallus. And a lot of these guys are just such phenomenal drummers and they'll put out little videos on say Instagram or, or what have you. And so I follow these guys and I listen to what they do and I go, man, that really, like they just, it's not, you know, they, they do these incredible chops, but it's really at the base of it is, is how they hit the drums, how they play and really just kind of that magic that happens as they're playing. And so I get inspired by what they do and I take that and I do my own version of whatever little thing caught my interest, you know? And I think that's a big way to stay, um, you know, inspired, motivated. And, and I set sort of little goals for myself, like, okay, 
uh, before I start recording today, I'm going to work on this drum chopper. I'm going to work on this drum fill and or this beat that's crazy. And I'll do things where, as you know, I play what's called open lefty. So my hi-hat, I play on a right-handed kit, but instead of crossing over like a right-handed drummer, I play left-handed, okay? And it's just, I'm self-taught. Yeah, and it just, that was how I learned to play the drums. But so what I try and do is, I really figure out sort of my way of of doing whatever these guys are doing. I I stay motivated about okay when I practice this, or I'm going to figure out this drum chop. Instead of starting with my left hand, I'm going to start with the right and do things like that. That would, you know, I used to have a <laughs> I used to have a thing that I would try to play things that no one else could play. Like I would, I would practice something for six months and develop my forearm muscles. That would be basically somebody would have to go through six months of serious, almost like weight training to be able to do what I did on the drums or in my drum solo and, you know, that kind of thing. But nowadays I just kind of want to play and make it sound good. Um, and so, you know, that is really something that is inspiring to me is watching these other drummers and learning from them and then applying my own, you know, sort of version to it. The other thing is that um, I think the most important thing, honestly, about uh, being a musician or being in a band or being a collaborator is, is just being cool to people. And, and, you know, so many, I've worked with a lot of artists who, um, me, me, me. Yeah. And, and I think, um, it's, you know, the, the saying is of course with touring musicians, it's all about the bus. And when you're on the bus, you're, or you're traveling, you're doing planes, trains, and automobiles, and you're tired and you got to play shows every night or how, you know, however it is, it's like, you just got to be cool and easy to get along with. And some, you know, I've seen people really lose their minds on the road and it's just, you can't do that. So anyway, right. that's a, that's um, a big secret. I got a piece of advice too. I, I'm very, I feel I'm really good at identifying talent, but yeah. so I would hire like the best person in the, of, of the crew of people I was looking through. The problem was I wasn't even thinking about identifying mental capacity or are they good to work with? Like, I didn't catch that when I was younger. So I'd yeah. always go for the best guy at doing the guitar part or whatever the rhythm person we needed, or lead, whatever we needed. But, you know, you really need to judge character. Are they, are they responsible adults? Are they going to be off the yeah. chain partying when you're trying to tour, you know, like who knows. Right. So I made a lot of mistakes. Yeah. Made them, made them, and um, I also resonated what you said earlier about, when you're doing the drum stuff where you might spend six months on something like for skateboarding, I skateboard a lot. Um, not, yep. not, I hurt my arm recently, but um, yep. I would learn a really weird trick, but literally spend forever making the board do something that really yeah. no, no one can really do, but it takes a lot of like practice. Like I'll say the trick is a no comply, stillfish, boneless. I can do that. <laughs> but for nice. guitar playing, for guitar playing, um, I have a song called it's time for love where it's like, the intro riff is like da -na 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 -na, but then I use the, I do it on the one later where I I, I go na -na 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 -na. it's the same riff but the accent is is moved but I yes. really practice the hell out of that and now it's in yeah. a song and I have to sing and play it and if you could practice something really unique to what you can do and get it down and really get it and then put it on a record and play it live every night while singing and it's yes. like how the hell would you sing and play that 
it's incredible yep. and like when i watch my favorite artists sometimes i'll see like something that dimebag is doing and Vinny and like those guys like pantera and i'm trying to play sure. the guitar while singing phil anselmo's part you're now right. you're trying to take two legends and be them and that's a really hard thing to do so when you're writing something try to write something that consists of that and then when you finally get in the studio it's it's legendary because you've spent six to eight months doing it and no one else has that. totally I love that. No, and then I, I think the other the other really big thing that I try to do, and I guess if there were any secret sauce, this is this is probably my my biggest one is that love it. when I'm recording a track, I always try to add value to it. And and if that means laying back and just playing the groove for somebody, you know, for their song, okay, cool. But there are gonna be things that I'm gonna add, whether even if it's just ghost notes, but um or a fill that you just, a drum fill that you just go, whoa, what just happened? And then it's like back to the song. But I, I think that um, probably the, again, that's my secret sauce is that I really do try to add value to any track that I record, even if it's one thing, even if it's just one thing and that's it, that's what I'm trying to do. And so um, the, there are some drummers out there that will say like, well, you know, I'm really good at just laying back and playing a groove and I make it sound really good. And I've got these vintage Boring. drums and I've got this great gear and it's going to sound amazing. And it's like, so basically you're a drum machine and you could be replaced easily by programming the drums because they don't have to worry about multiple takes and paying for studio time. They just program it up and it's done. And it's going to sound cleaner than your mics, you know, and Jay Rustin, as an example, had posted a thing recently that said, it's a real shame that, you know, the top 10 or how many ever, you know, top whatever of rock tunes are all programmed drums, you know, and I was like, yeah, it'd be great if, if actual, you know, organic live drums could be recognized as an you know such an important part of a song and he was like yeah but chris everybody knows that program you know you're not going to get away with it playing real drums on a top 10 record it's just that's the way the business is right now and I'm it's so try. yeah no i know and that's my thing it's like i whether i get a top 10 okay fine but what i'm really trying to do is is create moments that are exciting within songs and fit within that mix and really, you know, lay into it with the band. But I, you know, I think that's a big problem in the music business right now is that so much of the, the words production value make my skin crawl because when someone talks about production value, when it comes to recording, what they really mean is we're going to use all computer, you know, sorcery to make this song sound flawless even if you know an auto-tune and all that other stuff and it's like no man make it sound organic because to me that drama of a song where it feels like it's going to go off the rails and all of a sudden it's like wow this is it's so exciting and challenging and that's what i want to listen to I, the the program stuff and the auto all the fake you know production value stuff as soon as I hear program drums, I just turn the song off. I'm like, I, I'm just not into it, you know? So I'm finding that I, I saw this coming. And this is my prediction was that there's a split and there's a divide. And I like to talk about the divide. When you go to okay, NAMM, when you go to NAMM, sure. for example, you see the divide between old man rock yeah. and EDM artists. 
I don't mean yep. that, but when I'm in the studio, I say to my producer, I say, this is too old man rock. It sounds like yep. something that the kids' parents listen to. So yep. we're doing a blend of EDM drums and live drums as yes. much as we can. A few songs, it's yep. all it's all just programmed because it doesn't need sure. it. Sure, um, right. But I love the fact that I have a live drummer live. I was doing everything last year, not with yeah. the drummer, just yeah. playing the tracks. But now I have a live drummer, and it's like I'm not going back to just me. nice. Yeah, I don't want to be a DJ with a guitar. Well, and the thing is this: every that's the other part of it is that everything has its place. And so, um, if someone's using programmed drums, my thing is, hey man, awesome, do it. If that's your sound and that's your vibe and all that and the auto tune stuff, and you're doing that computer stuff awesome do it on the flip side of it i think that there can be a, a again like this organic feel to music that is really sorely missed and another drummer that's one of my favorite drummers right now is is mike miley um with rival sons and it's like that band is just crushing it and it's like these guys are writing incredible songs everybody in the band is super talented i love what they do and it's like, man, that's, it's, and seeing them live is the same thing. It's like, there's so much drama in that live performance that you're just going, God, you know, um, a, a band that I saw a couple times you know, when I was in California, they're actually from England and they're called Virgin Marys and their drummer, Danny Dolan is another one of my favorite drummers. And he's just this he plays he he plays left-handed um on a right-handed kit and it's but his way of playing like this is a guy whose hands are covered in blood when he finishes the show you know he's just he's such a monstrous ferocious player but the way that he hits the drums and he uses these big just huge toms and just this but his his kit is set up really low and he has a small kit, but just the way that he plays, he's such a classic drummer. He's a young guy, and he's such a classic drummer already. It's just incredible what this guy, how he makes the drums sound. And so that doesn't again, exist in program drums. That, that doesn't yeah. exist in the world of program drums, and I, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah and, and I think, you know, I'm not talking about playing without a click or any of that, because when people start going, oh, well, it loses the natural feel, you know, when you play to a click. And it's like, no, I, my job is to play to a click so that it's right on the money, but I don't sound like a drum machine, you know? And it's like, it, my job is to make it sound like I'm not playing to a click. And that's a, that's another, I think, important distinction. And it used to be that, you know, you make the record and then you have the live show and they have to kick ass. They don't have to be the same but they have to kick right. ass and they have to make sense. But what I, I've really been working on was make a kick-ass record. And when you play it live, it's the same, but you're doing all the stuff you did on the record live for the audience. Like almost like the way Dream Theater would do it. You know, you do it the yep. same way, but I don't want to yep. sound progressive. I want to sound like, you know, alternative rock. Um, but my secret is bringing the EDM tracks in. We use Ableton for yeah. everything. And totally right. that most people are using, do you, so that's what I was going to ask you earlier, but the old man rock divide, like people are yeah. so stuck on pro tools that they don't yeah. have access to serum or things like those plugins that seem to only work good on Ableton or the right thing. So you have to really right. partner up. I, I partnered up with excellent studios in LA. Okay. Parker who mixed the tracks we did is like an EDM yeah. producer, but who plays yes. drums. So great. Getting that world together is really what you kind of have to do there, but yes. 
Agreed. And, and, you know, I think technology can be such a huge help in what you're doing and using it as a tool is just such a, you know, really to me, it just, um, if I'm doing a drum mix for like, I'm working on a record for this band right now. And it's like, I'm trying to send them really good mixes and I kind of figured out their vibe. And, and so I'm, I'm figuring it out, but honestly, right now I'm, I'm really trying to figure out my snare mix or my snare sound and tone. It's not what I want, but I'm trying to do, I'm trying to do it via EQ and not doing sound replacement or any of that other stuff for a different artist. Sound replacement would be the way to go. You know, it just, it just depends on that, that particular project. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And, yeah. and on that, that, that divide thing, I'm mentioning it because do you see it? Do you see it where like, there's all these yeah. people that are doing something like you got Sullivan King and excision and all those lost yeah. lands guys. And then you've got like the Wolfgang Van Halen camp, you know, like all these totally. other, it's totally different. You got guys like Jay Rustin who work in big studios and they are always talking about, you know, getting great sounds and doing it the, the yeah. right way. And then I'm like, well, what am I doing? And I don't think I could have got the record I had if I went to those guys until I got it written and then go to them to maybe do a final mix. Yes, no, totally right. And, and the thing of it is that I, I think a big part of that divide is there's a, there's sort of, it's the approach. Okay. So like with kind of the old way of doing it, it was a lot more based on you know, kind of like musicianship and and how much money's behind it, of course, but gear. it's the musicianship and it's in the hands and the gear and, you know, all that stuff. And now with the, with the other side of it, it's a lot more about, you know, technology and what can I, how can we, you know, use technology to create something different? So the question becomes as a, as a musician, I go, okay, someone who spent their entire life working on their craft as being a good drummer or guitar player or whatever, they've worked on that. So what they're recording or what they're playing is, you know, there's something special going on there. Okay, there's that. Someone who's using technology, they've, they're, maybe they're not as uh, technically proficient on the, on the instrument, but they've spent the same amount of time figuring out the technology and what to do that's unique and different using the technology. And so that side of it, I have just as much respect for somebody who's using the technology. It's not like, oh, they're not as good of a musician. So whatever, it's not that at all. It's like, I, I couldn't figure out what these guys are doing with the technology, you know, for as vocals. well. For, totally. for, voc for vocals, when you record yeah. with an EDM producer that knows how to like take vocals from somewhere and just make it yes. do what they want anyway, because they're so used to samples. Totally. When you're, when you're singing, they're they're blown away that they have the opportunity to make you do what they ask and shape it quicker and easier. And then yeah. if you don't get the note, they're like, oh, I tuned it and cut it shorter. It's fine in the backup vocal. Like I listen to my yeah. backup vocals and some of them are like, they're so weird because my producer's like, oh, you got it. And then he tweaked it and threw it in there. Yeah. And it sounds yeah. great in the mix on itself, on its own. It sounds weird, but that right. doesn't, doesn't freaking matter. Um, oh, no, 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 it doesn't. We're, we're learning yeah. this because my drummer is going through and learning all the vocals and we're listening to the backups and some of them are just wonky as hell, but it's like, they're fine. They sound great. They actually sound, my, it makes my sound. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so I wanted to ask you, I know you're writing lyrics and you're writing stuff. Do you, do you sing? 
and do you how do you sing and play drums and is there any advice for that um i have taken voice lessons and i'm not a great singer <laughs> but um I, I you know i i'm i'm not um like when i write i'll i'll write the vocal part and i'll sing the vocal part uh, on the demo, but I'm not what I would consider to, I don't have a lead singer voice. So I can sing harmonies, like when I'm playing drums, as That's long as I know my parts. That's yeah, so as long as I know my part, I can do it. Uh, the biggest thing about playing and singing is it's just practice. So when I'm, if I have something that I'm working on where I'm gonna go play shows with somebody and I'm gonna be singing the harmonies or whatever, it's like, I, that's my practice session as I play the set over and over and over and, and, and sing my parts as I'm, you know, as though I'm on stage. I guess it's just practice. Like, how do you not sing percussively while you're trying to do the thing? You're not yeah. playing Collins in the night. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's very much about, um, you like, if I have to hold a note and I'm rocking out and I've got to hold a note harmonizing, it's like, yeah, I really have to practice that. It's just practice. Um, yeah, no, it, everything is practice. Yeah. When I did the Rock of Ages tour, uh, we did 200 shows um, in 100 cities. And um, and I'll tell you about that too, it was an interesting experience. But, um, but before I even showed up to rehearsals, I had already practiced the show, the full show. Uh, I practiced it 200 times before I even showed up. So, I knew the show better than anybody, and they called me the glue. You're the um, quarterback. I, I knew the show better than anybody, and it was run, mostly was run on a click track. And so I would get my cues, and I would have to, like, you'd have to start a song where somebody would, you'd have, you know, two counts, and all of a sudden you're going, and it was like I was what ready to go the it? whole time. Right, yeah. so like you, like you really need to practice that, because we used to do yes. that too, where you just, I would give the drummer two clicks, because he knew. Yep the song so he only needed yep. two clicks but yeah. but there's that technical issue that which happened to me at the viper room we played a show where the i had a backup singer i let her start the song bad idea and when she yep. hit the start button she didn't hear the click through the pa because it doesn't come through the pa it's only coming through the right. PA in, in practice because oh wasn't right she wasn't wearing in ears she okay. didn't hear it because the click only goes to the drummer so she hit it again and he got an extra click we started one beat off Oh boy. Yeah. And he's yeah. looking at me and I couldn't fix it till the bridge. Cause there was a break. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I had it on the, the rock of ages tour where the, um, the musical director, uh, was running the click and there were a few times where he miscued it. And so we'd be, the click would be completely off with what we were playing and he would have to bail out for the remainder of that song. And, um, and the thing that's challenged, so we'd have to play the song, that section of the show or that song with no click and it was fine, but you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, it's really working without a net because the lights Magical. are all cued Ooh. to the click. Yeah. So all of the light changes and everything are all, so I, I just like, you know, play through it. And it's like, everybody would high five me after like, good job, you know, but it was, um, you know that was that was a challenge was you know if if somebody else screwed up and i had to clean up the mess <laughs> it's 
but you know that is what it is it's like that's again part of that drama of life sometimes it's magical when that happens sometimes totally not totally when it's attached to your lights and video and everything and there's Cirque du Soleil performers jumping into pools maybe not but otherwise yeah (laughs) yeah but um the other thing I was going to tell you that I've been doing that is really really fun that's you know I I've been having more fun with this than almost anything I've ever done is I'm doing these mini tracks with Josh Paul from Daughtry, the bass player. And Josh is somebody that um, has become a real friend and he's just a great guy. One of the best people I know, but he's such a monster bass player. And he's just one of these guys that wants to play every day. That's all he wants to do is just play bass, you know? And I'm like, man, I so get that. It's like, I, I just want to play drums every day. We got to jam so, sometime. <laughs> yeah, totally. And 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 so Josh, it was like I would see him putting out these little videos, and and so it just be it might be thirty seconds where he's just jamming to like a a little drum track in the background or something. And so we started collaborating, and we've actually written full songs together. So some of these we figured out that of course on Instagram they cap you at one minute. So you can't do anything longer than a minute unless it turns into then a long video, which nobody's going to watch, right? And you know the statistics on, uh, you know, social media that usually after about a minute, unless you've got something really compelling, most people are going to stop watching after a minute. So we were like, let's do these one minute, we'll call them mini tracks. Let's do like a one minute or less video of us jamming. And so I edit the, the video footage of us and I do like these split screen things and we just rock out and, you know, and again, some of these mini tracks are actually just a one minute section of a full song that we've written that we'll probably release at some point. But, um, you know, it's really, really fun. And it's great because we're both working on stuff all the time. And it's like, oh, we, you know, I figured out this cool little drum fill thing. This will be perfect for a mini track. And so we get on and you know send tracks back and forth and yeah it's just josh is amazing with, with the technology too i think it's important to mention that in the last five years it's it's really changed to allow people like me to do a record at a way cheaper level and and oh, actually total. and not compromise on production value like it's insane what we can do on a small like little hard yes. drive like we yeah. used to have two inch tapes we used to have all that stuff and then you got people arguing about it sounds better on two inch tape i'm like it's not worth the sound to go use tape. no Um, No, no, no. I, I agree with that. And, and, you know, I think another thing is that um, like recording drum tracks here in my studio is um, I, I just, I have a process. I have a way that I do it. And I've had artists say, well, you know, we're doing this record and we want, we want you to come to, you know, wherever LA or Chicago or whatever. And we want you to actually come into the studio with us and we're going to record everything in a, you know, full production studio, you know, live together. We're going to play together because we want that, you know, that sound. And it's like, okay, look, my process is that I sit here and I figure out exactly what I'm going to play. And then I record it. And if I, if I screw it up, I'm going to start over. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to punch in and do all that other stuff, but I really try to, to work through the song for a long time. And again, I have this process where as I'm recording it, I figure out different things and uh, you know, I'll go back and redo something or whatever. And really I'm a perfectionist, of course. So it's like, 
if I were to do that with somebody, they're not getting the best of me because the other thing is, as I'm recording a song, as it's getting toward the end, if I'm doing it live and I don't want to screw up and have everybody have to start over, I'm going to play it really safe so I can ride that song out and not add the thing at the end that I was going to do that was going to make it go boom. But instead I'm like, okay, I don't want to screw this up, you know? And so recording live like that is like, I'll pull it off live. But as I just wrote a drum thing, I just, I just wrote this drum fill and, oh, it starts on the three and, and I got to remember that as I'm playing. And how did that go again? I don't want to do that while I, and waste everybody's time. Because you so, might miss the note and you, you screw up the take at the last part and you do it all. Absolutely, again. man. And it's not that it, it's not that I can't pull it off. It's that as I'm playing it, I'm not going to just do a standard drum fill that starts on the three or starts on the one and it's a four count fill. It's like, so, oh, this is, you know, I'm entering this fill at a weird place and then I have to do this crazy thing and get back on the one and still be grooving. It's going to take me a few times to lock that down. And, and, for, the, and for the skateboarders watching, the skateboarding analogy, not that there's any skateboarders watching, is after they land the trick where they slide down the rail and they've took 30 tries, they've never landed it. They kept falling right. and falling. They finally land it. At the end, right. they do a, a tray flip at the end. Right. If okay. they miss that tray flip, it ruins the clip. There you go. That's exactly, <laughs> no, that's exactly what I'm talking about. That's a perfect analogy. That's why man, I, really. I always think like that. It's just how I can <laughs> teach people. And, but, and, but it's funny because like when, you know, so people will say, okay, what's, you know, what do you charge to do tracks or a record or whatever? So I give them my rates. Then when they go, okay, well, look, we want to do this big production thing. And we're going to do this in the studio and we really want you to be there. And it's really important for our integrity of our record. And it's like, okay, well, it's going to cost you. You're going to have to fly me there. You're going to have to have a kit there for me. It's going to be, you're going to have to give me a per diem and cover my hotel. And it's going to be this much more. Does it so even why sense? don't we just, yeah. So when you're talking about it, it's a lot cheaper to be able to do it the way we're doing it. That's exactly right. Because my cost is just, you know, my studio rent every month and I'm engineering the sessions myself. So it's a lot cheaper. And when I talked to you about doing the tracks for me, I hadn't even planned out the entire record. We didn't really know where we were on that yet. Cause that was quite yeah. early in the process. Okay. And, that was helpful. Um, one of the things I was talking to a friend of mine uh, last night, who's a, a musician, but he hasn't really never finished anything. He told me about all these songs. And I said, well, do you use technology to track your songs? And he's like, well, uh, uh, uh. so I'm like, dude, open Google, open Google yeah. Sheets, make right. a list of your songs, put a link to all right. the MP3s of what you've done so far. How do you right. do it? Go to SoundCloud, put them all like it's free. It's all free. Yeah. It doesn't cost anything to do that. It just takes organization. Now you have an album one, you know, line 20 right. to 30 is these tracks. Album two is going to be these ones. If it sucks, you can replace them and you can send your collaborators there. People yeah. don't really know how to do that. I work as an SEO. I do. Uh, I have a computer science degree. I spent years at Nortel. I've done a lot of stuff like that. Like I know Tom Morello had a degree. We all thought that was cool. And now I'm like, wow, I had a career. I mean, I'm, I'm so old. I'm doing my music career after it. So I, I, I use that to my advantage. And being able to, at this day and age, have the technology finally let me do a whole show alone and sound right, but yeah, now bring a drummer and mute the drum sure. tracks. It's sure. awesome. And I won't be using oh, yeah. the hoverboard. I'll just have other people on hoverboards around me. Ah. Yeah. Nice. I love it. Yeah. So um, 
yeah, I broke my arm skateboarding on Labor Day. I was like two week quarantine. I came home from Vegas and I was I got out of quarantine. I went to the skate park I'd never been to and I, I did a I fell on my arm. I had a wrist guard and everything on, but I suck. I remember when that happened. Yeah. Well, did you know that in December I went snowboarding on the first day that they opened snowboarding and then last day that they opened snowboarding because they closed it and I broke it again. Oh man. Two times this year. Yeah. I didn't want to tell too many people till it healed because I was like, you're going to seriously break your arm when you're about to go on tour or something. So that's never going to happen again. Dude. I know. Glad you're okay. I'm great. I'm great. I, I I just for exercise now I have to it's it's like walking, snowshoeing, low impact anything. And yeah. uh I just I'm afraid to it it couldn't take my weight. Like it healed, but it couldn't take my weight yeah. yet. And it just broke yeah. in a different spot. And I was like FML. But I learned a hard way. So, you know. Years ago there was a a, a motocross racer named uh uh, I think his name was Brock Glover and he was awesome, you know, incredible guy. And, and, uh, and I used to race bicycles, like tour de France kind of stuff. And he got into bike racing. And, uh, anyway, he had apparently his wrist had been broken so many times that I think he actually broke it in the air on a jump where he was like, you know, adjusting himself while he was in the air and it broke and was like, man, that's rough landing. Yeah. I know. Oh, oh I don't guy. want to talk about that at all because I can feel it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But yeah, so, but you know, it's, I, I think that's the whole thing that's so, um, you know, that's so exciting about music right now is that everything's opening up again and people are going out and playing live and, you know, tours are getting booked and all that. And, and that's super cool. I just, I'm kind of waiting for the right offer to roll through before going on the road again and so i'm super happy to be here in the studio just doing my thing until then you know that's awesome so yeah um we've got a few minutes left if you want we can wrap it up soon too no big deal i'm heading to toronto in, in a in about half an hour um, okay let's see anything else you want to tell me about maybe anything that you want to that's coming up that you're excited or anything coming up that we could promote well i'll tell you what <laughs> The I don't have anything other than Chris and Josh's mini tracks right now. Um, I'm working on a record with a band, and I think actually the guitar player uh, posted something about it. So I guess I could say that I'm working on a record with a band called Vante uh, out of uh, Chicago, I think is, or like Illinois somewhere. But um really good guys and a cool record and you know good songs and all that um I don't know when that's coming out and then I have a there's a band uh here in New York called Swim the Current and I did a song with them and we're we've they we've kind of danced around the idea of doing a video for it so that'll be out pretty soon I think sooner than later um we're doing that and then um I have a, like a lot of these things that I'm doing, unfortunately, are like secret projects that I can't I, talk about. That's or... the best thing. I love to hear <laughs> that you have secret projects in the works and then you can come back here when they're ready and we'll yeah. talk about it again on a Chris Moore I, update podcast. I, I totally will. And you know, what's funny about that is that somebody said recently, there was a, I saw this guy post on social media and he's like, you know, all these bands that have talked about during, you know, COVID and during the lockdown, that they've written all this great material and they got all this new stuff and they're all excited about it. He's like, why don't you guys just put it out? Like, stop talking about it. Just put it out. And it's like, 
Well, there are labels and managers and other bands involved and all kinds of stuff. You can't just go, hey, we just did this you know, record and we're putting it out there for you. Actually, uh, you, you kind of can if you're like very independent and then you just go with a distributor and then you hire all the right. people yourself and then you find out you got to do it all in three weeks. Oh yeah, no, you can, you can, but it's like- <laughs> but To go know, big, to go big properly. Yeah, and that's the, that's the issue. A lot of these people are like, well, we need three months of lead time with our you know PR people so that we can do, and it's like, I go, okay, that's fine, whatever, you know, I'm, I'm just here to do my thing. So, you know, but yeah, they'll, I've, three to nine months is usually the answer of like, okay, well, if we're going to do this record and release it right, we got, and I'm like, yeah, okay, that's cool, but I'm on don't my next project at, anyway. Don't wait till it's out of style. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it, yeah, but I, I totally get what you're saying. And that is, uh, you know, that is something so nice about being, uh, you know, sort of, you know self-sufficient yeah the new way of doing it yeah well um yeah. so like i was saying uh i've got like three weeks or whatever to do this but the um the second single we do we'll spend more time on it and we'll put more money into the video nice i'm trying to do it where we actually i have a fantastic team i just pulled together for this video and we're actually talking about the future videos being arcing from these ones Oh, very cool. That's like, great. Very Rick yes. and Morty. <laughs> I love but, it. Uh, so hopefully that'll happen and I'm extremely excited. But next time you talk to me, this video will be yes. completed. Today I'm going down to like meet about it. We don't even have the treatment completed yet. So okay. we're shooting it on Friday at the Horseshoe. So. Oh, very cool, man. That's a poster of me at the Horseshoe uh, a long time ago. <laughs> wow. That's awesome, man. I'm, I'm upstairs today. I'm normally in my okay. in my other office because it was so hot. This is where the air conditioner is. I was just like, I'm not nice. going to sit in this <laughs> heat for a podcast like I did with the last podcast. I was just ready to die, so I had to end it a bit early. Uh, yeah. My last guest was Steve Thompson. Uh, he was a producer for Corn, Guns N' Roses, okay. Chaka, so that was cool. Uh, I encourage very people cool. to watch the other episodes. Um, there's some technology stuff. Even the one with Scoble, the very first episode, we talked about NFTs. Um, nice. But Chris, um, really cool to talk to you. Um, Thanks, man. I would love to hear more from you. Please stay in touch. And, yes, for um, sure. If you have any links you want me to add to the site below here, uh, just send them over to me before I post this. This is going live tomorrow okay. at noon. Okay. Um, so. Well, you know, you know my website. <laughs> as long as it's working again, ChrisMoreOfficial.com. Beautiful. And if Thank yeah, you, man. If, if, if you want anything to happen with that, we should talk more about what we can do. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Yes, for sure. I know. And uh, keep me in the loop. If there's any problems, just ping me. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks for everything. I appreciate it. All right. Wonderful to have you on the Musicians Insider. Chris Moore, drummer yeah. and friend, nice guy, and hope to jam with you again and uh, have you come to a show and who knows where, where that'll go. But I'm not going to expect you to play vibe in me up in the last second. <laughs> well, no, I'm totally into it, man. I want to come see you live for sure. So. Any yeah, message, we'll figure that out. Any messages for Jack, my drummer, who's going to be playing that? Uh, just have a blast. It's super fun music to play, too. Yeah. Enjoy. Awesome. All right. Well, yeah, thank man. you, Chris. I'm going to stop Thanks, the recording. Buddy.